0: Hello, hello. This is Kim Addis, and you have joined us at the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. I am the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, and I want to welcome you to today's episode, where we get to talk to a very interesting, let's call him a volunteer, who is willing to share a challenge with us. It is my great pleasure to welcome you, Raj, to the podcast. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much, Kim.
0: So it's Raj Tucker.
1: Raj Tucker, yes.
0: That's right. Got it. And uh, you live in New York and you run a business called Charter School Business Management. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what that is.
1: So uh, we often have educators come to us who want to launch their own charter schools Uh, but they don't know the first thing about managing the millions of dollars of public funds that they get as a result. So we manage their accounting, their payroll, their budgeting, financial reporting, forecasting, and help them with their audits each year. Um, And they can either outsource that work to us, or we can professionally develop them on how to do it themselves if they bring the function in-house.
0: Okay, very interesting. Now, you and I met, I don't even know how many years ago, we met in person at an EO event. EO, for those of you who don't know, stands for Entrepreneurs Organization. So you've been part of this organization for how long?
1: Uh, I was a member for about five years before joining uh, YPO earlier this year.
0: Oh, way to go! Congratulations. Thank so, you. when did we meet exactly?
1: I'd say probably five, four or five years ago at that event.
0: If I remember correctly, it was an event that was specifically designed to help leaders learn mentorship and coaching skills. Is that That's accurate? Right. That's right. And we right. ended up in a group. So, I was actually secretly invited to this meeting <laughs> by. Uh, a very good friend and past client of mine to come and learn about what was going on in the EO world. So I was supposed to be a kind of quiet observer. And we ended up in a group together where each one of us was supposed to present a challenge. And you ended up talking a little bit about your mother. And I very quickly, easily, naturally stepped into the role of a coach because it's in my DNA. So (laughs) can you take us back to that experience? What was that about?
1: Sure. So uh, I think at the event, there was some, we were simulating the uh, conversation that typically happens in a forum meeting where uh, forum members get vulnerable about what's uh, particular challenges that they're going through. And uh, I volunteered to be the, uh, you know, the volunteer, uh, I volunteered that day. And I described how for most of my life, my mother has, you know, was always, um, very challenging, uh, partial to my older brother. Uh, and I naturally was closer to my father. And I think afterwards you had invited me, like there was some live coaching there, but you had invited me to do, uh, uh a call afterwards. And I think that's where the impact was, where I think you had so masterfully kind of (laughs) invited me to accept my mother as she was, um, instead of expecting her to act any differently. Um, And for some reason, I was like, you know, I haven't tried that. Let me (laughs) me do that. And ultimately, I became very thankful for that, because like a couple of years later, actually, last year, uh, she unexpectedly got stage four cancer uh, and I luckily spent the last four months of her life with her at my brother's home in Texas you know taking care of her every need and um, I think that that coaching call with you was so pivotal because uh, had I not received my mother in a completely different way than I had been my whole life I may not have you know reconciled and gotten to a much healthier place with her
0: yeah a place of peace that's right yeah So, and I just want to kind of pause there for a minute because I think this is really important. A lot of times there's someone in our lives um, that, you know, we wish showed up in a different way. And when that experience happens, we feel out of sorts, you know, we get to a place where we are out of alignment. And the minute we decide that that person doesn't need to change in order for us to be happy is the moment we reclaim, we re-own our sense of well-being. And so this is relevant for every single person because there's someone in everyone's life who rubs them the wrong way. And they come home and they're super frustrated. And you know there's a lot of anger, resentment, confusion, all that kind of stuff. And once we are able to understand where they're coming from, why they show up the way they do, and be at peace with it, All of a sudden, we're good again. We can breathe. So, But you come today with a completely different challenge.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, So
0: tell us about what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, so I think I've spent uh, a couple of, uh, you know, several years reconciling all of uh, a lot of different matters. And and right now, I currently feel like, okay, my, my mental health is in the healthiest place it's ever been. Um, and the only matter that's facing me my, right now, and I could be just telling this to myself, is is my physical health, um, where I think for probably since college, I've been 20, 30 pounds overweight. Um, and I think given my my father's uh, history with, with his health, uh, so f- from age 50, he had his first heart attack. And then over a 19 year period, he had seven, you know, six more heart attacks for a total of seven. He had quadruple bypass, he had, you know, dozens of stents put in him. Uh, He had a cardiac defibrillator um, until he, you know, passed away in 2013. So at this point, I'm five years away from when he had his first heart attack. uh, I've been told by my doctor that you know, if, if I could just lose 20, 30 pounds, that could drastically change the outlook of my life, uh, my, my lifespan. And I think with my mom also passing away at age 69 last year, he, he died at age 69 and uh, so did she. Uh, in my head, um, the story I'm telling myself is, I've got 24 years left. Um, who knows really much <laughs> time I actually have, um, whether it's longer or shorter than that, but that's what I'm telling myself I think that's I'll pause there. <laughs>
0: okay, so um, I'm gonna kind of talk about something very interesting. Um, a lot of the kind of health coaches, nutritional coaches out there might ask you a very specific question. And I'm going to ask it, but then I'm going to take you in a different direction. So why is it important for you to lose weight? Is it simply to extend your life? Or what what is the driver?
1: The driver for me is to uh, ex- extend my life because um, I have such peace uh, when it comes to my life at home with with my wife Nadia, um, married twelve years, and and we're in such a wonderful place. It took a lot of work to get here, but uh, so that's working really well. My daughter is uh, Reina is amazing. She's eleven years old. Uh, things at, at my company, you know. During COVID, of course, there's a lot of challenges that are coming up, but things are as good as they can be, uh, given the state of the world at the moment. Um, so I feel peace in, in, in all other areas of my life. And it feels like if I could get to this one challenge, then I can extend my life, you know, um, and enjoy more of what I finally currently have.
0: Okay. Okay. So there's a theory out there that says, well, if you really, really um, wrap your arms around your why, then that's going to be the motivation you need to get to where you want to go. I don't happen to believe that. Okay. Okay. So the reason is that I think your why is pretty damn compelling, right? Like it's, you know, it's about your life. It's like literally in your case, it could be a matter of life and death. Given your history and your genes, who knows, right? Right. And because you have so many great things going for you, you're highly motivated to take care of this issue. However, you've been trying a whole bunch of different things, and it doesn't seem like that why is compelling enough.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of bad habits. Uh, I definitely have an interesting relationship with food where I've equated uh, food to whether or not I'm loved, you know, I I know, I know there's a long history there. Um, uh, I suspect I know where it comes from. Uh, But yeah, the compelling why is certainly there. Uh, And the behavior changes are that that I've been trying to do are inconsistent at best. Um, There's definitely some times where I want to either consciously or subconsciously misbehave and, and uh, you know, (laughs) just, 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 treat myself or, okay. um, you know, and, and I know that taste, at least in my head, I prioritize taste over nutrition, which I know it should be the opposite. You okay. know?
0: So, so what I want to say to you is that, again, your why is very compelling, but your why not is more compelling. And it's the case for all of us. Like the reason that you want anything, the reason I want anything is because we believe that that will be fulfilling, satisfying, lead us to a happier, better life. That's why you want to get healthier, ultimately. But your why not is at play. And those are all the reasons that are interfering with your ability to, in your words, um, behave with consistency. So I don't think you lack knowledge. I don't think you uh, are uneducated and you're unaware that eating, you know, a ton of fried food isn't probably the best idea, right? Like you're aware, you're conscious. Hey, this is something that will make me feel better. This is something that will probably not lead me to my goals.
1: Okay, That's right.
0: Right. So here's the interesting thing. In this conversation that we've had, you've mentioned the word peaceful, peaceful many, many times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it sounds like that's really a driver for you. And you also mentioned that in your life with your wife, you are at a peaceful place, but it took a lot of work to get there. Mm-hmm. Can you describe that for me, please?
1: Well, so she and I have, the two of us have always been in a great place. Um, however, I think a lot of, uh, family influence, uh, mostly on my side, uh, my wife is Muslim and I'm I'm Hindu and we're not supposed to get along. Uh, and t- to us, we were just like, listen, if our values align, um, who cares about certain practices or not? Like, you know, you do what you do, I do what I do, and I'm not even so religious myself. And so to us, it wasn't uh, such a big deal. Uh, but to family members, it, it was, and that was definitely part of you know my father was very accepting um my mom wasn't until the end uh where she realized and, and reconciled with with my with my wife around around that um and you know so and i've also um We've we've done the Getting the Love You Want uh, series, uh, well, read the books and went to the seminars with Harville Hendricks and uh, Helen LaKelley Hunt. And um, we've done a lot of the work we've done, you know, uh, every marriage has uh, the ability to get there if you put in the time. So, uh, you know, we we put in the time and
0: and. Okay. So, so it's interesting, right? So you have this relationship where you had opposing forces and yet for whatever reason you, you consistently behaved in a way that said my marriage comes first.
1: Yes.
0: Do you see the parallel between that? Oh,
1: totally. (laughs) Yeah. My health comes first and, and uh, yeah, I, I, and I was able to, you know, like seven, I'd lost 17 pounds. I was doing need to live. And um, you know, what my forum mates urged me to consider is just like, listen, you did this, you know, you'll do it for two, three, four months, and then you'll hop back off and think everything is fine and then slowly gain it all back and then some. So they urged me to consider doing some sort of a sustainable heat to live that it's not this big grandstand for x amount of time drop the weight think it's all fine and it's it's got to be a sustainable thing for the rest of my life not just for a short time frame to get the short-term results
0: okay so let's just talk a little bit about how change happens okay so this is very important and then and then we're going to go to where you need to go okay so a lot of people think that what they need to do in order to reach their goals is behave differently. Okay, so I need to, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to create a plan of all the things I'm going to do and not do. So I'm not going to drink a lot of beer, I'm not going to eat chips. I'm not, and I'm going to start exercising, right, that list of activity, that list of behaviors. And I want to say that, sure, at the end of the day, action leads to results. However, when we jump into behavior, when our thinking and our beliefs are not lined up with that behavior, we get short-term change. We do not get sustainable change. So right now, your thinking is, hey, and, and I'm going to guess, you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. If I don't eat these beautiful, tasty foods, I'm missing out. If yeah. I don't eat these things, then you know I don't feel connected to the family, to my my parents to a feeling that I'm seeking, that feeling of love, that feeling of warmth, that feeling of familiarity, okay? Mm-hmm. So your belief is that food comes together with love. And by the way, I understand that. My mother was an amazing cook, right? So I get it. So, and, and in order for us to have sustainable change, we need to address that, that piece, So if we just try to behave differently, but our thinking hasn't changed, it's like an elastic band. You revert back to your old behavior. Right. Okay, so like it just doesn't work. So when we want to create massive change, we need to look at what we believe to be true first. And we need to adjust our beliefs. And when our beliefs adjust, our behavior naturally changes. And so what I want you to think about is this whole concept of peacefulness. Because peacefulness is your driver, is your key driver. And so I want you to think about whenever you put something in your mouth, Mm -hmm. does this create peace for me? Hmm. Will it create peace for me tomorrow, in a week from now? Does this actually create peace? Or does it give me a short-term fill of an emotion that I'm desperately seeking? And can I find that emotion elsewhere?
1: Hmm.
0: So so it's a very different approach where rather than making a big grand plan about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do day in and day out and force yourself into a disciplinary routine, we're going to change that model to making very small decisions, one bite at a time.
1: Okay.
0: And again, that decision is based on the litmus test of whether or not this is going to bring you peace.
1: Wow. Because
0: what does that do? That all of a sudden takes away all of the stress, all of the tension, all of the hyperness, you know, that stress feeling around food. So that your attachment isn't to the food, it's to the feeling of peacefulness. That by the way, no food will create for you that feeling of peacefulness is something that's related to your beliefs and your thoughts. That's right. Right? So that's, that's your, that's your theme. That's your goal. Wow. And so that when you eat, you just eat with a, a higher level of consciousness. And the, the realization that the food I eat won't create more love. The food I eat won't create more peace. It's the thought I have about the food I eat that creates peacefulness. So when I eat, I don't know. Give me a food that you love that's horrible.
1: Oh, um, celery.
0: <laughs> no, I mean something that's not good for you.
1: Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, pizza.
0: Okay, so when you eat when you eat a piece of or a whole pizza, yeah. you, you're going to ask yourself, does this the emotion I'm seeking and you might eat one slice and then you might eat a salad with it instead of four slices, right? So we're just looking for small incremental changes that bring you the emotional state you're seeking. And that's the driver.
1: Wow yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, in, in all of my digging, um, I think the, the relationship with food was formed very early. Um, because, you know, my parents were immigrants who had to make a living and, uh, my dad worked the, um, the graveyard shift. My mom had to go to Her store in Manhattan and you know my brother had to go to school and uh, I remembered it as if I was you know Home alone for like four hours technically it was for two hours But then my dad would immediately go to sleep. So he would he would feed me the awesome meal that that my mom would would give me Um, and then you know, the the consistency in all that loneliness um, as a four year old, like besides Bert and Ernie on, on Sesame Street, um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was just like, all right, well, that food is there. And I would definitely do, you know, my mom would hide the sugar and I would climb up on top of the fridge and know where she hid it. And I would take spoonfuls. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, I would eat. Pearl drops toothpaste. Cause it tastes so good. You know, wow. it, was, it was, it was ridiculous, you know? Uh, but, um, I, I, I did all those things that I wasn't supposed to do, uh, probably out of fear because I, I just felt so, so alone. Um, and I know, you know, I, whenever I look back at childhood, I always like pinpoint, you know, me being the younger version of myself sitting in the windowsill, um, saying goodbye, uh, waiting for someone to come home. And then as soon as they did, then it was a whole different thing. But then once my dad was home, it was still lonely. And then he would get up at noon to feed me lunch. And then around two thirty, my older brother would come home. Um, and then my day would start where right. we would, you know, be boys and just, you know, tease each So other for mom. you,
0: food is equal to being cared for. Like, that's the way you were cared for. That's the way you would you were taken care of. That's right. And so what we need to do is rewire that and understand you have a family. You're not lonely anymore. And so your job is to really pinpoint, when I reach for these foods that aren't particularly healthy for me, what is the emotion I'm trying to fill? And how else can I fill it? So that I'm relaxed, I'm calm, and I'm seeking peacefulness rather than filling frenetically this hole that i'm trying to address and take care of through eating.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: I hope that yeah. was helpful. I hope v- that makes very... you think about this totally differently. Yeah. And and really what i want you to do is not think about all the stringent rules and regulations you need to put in place in order to reach your goals, but rather how you approach food in a way that brings you calm and peacefulness. And as you do that, the decisions you make will be lighter, easier, less harmful. And and fuel your sense of peace at a much larger level.
1: Wow. I can't thank you enough, Kim. This This is phenomenal. And by the way, I meant to mention that I've been reading your book uh, about um, (laughs) you know what you focus on grows, and I'm about halfway through, and it's you know all these short stories that just you know get right to the heart of the matter, um, and it's it's been phenomenal. You know, so that's been part of uh, you know also just you know kind of changing as you did with the last time you had helped me, you know, just just to change the thinking, and then that automatically changes all the behaviors uh, because we get so you know caught up in um, you know all these thoughts and uh, it's, yeah, if you just see things differently it's, it's it's a lot better so yeah i appreciate you getting right to the heart of it <laughs> so it's damn my, quickly you know
0: <laughs> it's my pleasure and here's the thing you know any time that we feel like agitated out of sorts a negative emotion that's an indicator that our thoughts are pointing us away from what we want and so, you know, you're like, ah, oh, I have all this peace around me, except when I think about food and my health. And that's an indicator that your thoughts are pointed away from what you want. So, you know, wh- what we want to do is usually when we feel bad, we want to jump to action. And I always tell everybody before you jump to action, look at what you believe to be true about this situation, this problem, this area of frustration, and adjust your thinking before taking any action. So, That's the lesson for the day.
1: Wow. So brilliant. Thank you so much. (laughs) I can't thank you enough. And uh, if there is some way that I can thank you, please, you know, let me know.
0: (laughs) I will absolutely do that. And for those of you who are listening, if you have a challenge that you want to address and you want to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And if you have a a, a challenge that you don't want to address on the podcast, reach out anyways. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. Raj, I want to thank you so much for being bold and willing to volunteer on my podcast. I think that your challenge is not unique. I think a lot of us are in the same boat. So thank you so much for for sharing that situation and that story Mm -hmm. and for being bold enough to come onto the podcast too. And I certainly hope we stay in touch.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Kim. I, I can't thank you enough.
0: My pleasure.